0: this morning book of Ephesians chapter number five book of Ephesians chapter number five I know some of you are gonna find this hard to believe but I had somebody just the other day say pastor do you ever preach on marriage and I thought to myself have you not been to our last two weddings and I realized one of the weddings was probably aimed at the bride and groom maybe more than marriage and wedding but I want to preach a marriage message this morning. For all of us here, a lot of this has to do with a lot of things. I was just with Pastor John and Angie Zasueta. You may not know this, but in June, they are celebrating 50 years of marriage. I'm going to scare you if you don't know how old she was when she got married. She was 15, and now they're celebrating 50 years of marriage. My wife and I, next month, it'll be 46 years And so there is people that do stay together. There are marriages that work as they're supposed to and will for us. Because what Christianity does, and I want you to just ponder this as we go into this message this morning. What Christianity does, it gives us the chance to change the culture that maybe even you and I grew up in. And think about that again. If you grew up in a broken home, if you grew up with only a mom or a dad, or there was divorce or step parents, Christianity gives us all the chance to change the culture for the next generation beyond us. That is a profound statement. Ephesians chapter 5. Big family was celebrating their parents' 50th wedding anniversary. Their names were Ted and Bessie. Still in good health, although Ted had lost much of his hearing, family came over. They threw a big all-day party. Towards sundown, everyone laughed, and Ted went out on the porch swing to watch the sun go down. Bessie snuggled up next to him and said, You know, Ted, I am really proud of you. Ted looked over at her, rather surprised, stared for a moment, and then said, Well, Bessie, I'm real tired of you, too. little bit of a hearing problem amen it is a blessing it is a blessing to have a marriage that endures the test of time and especially a marriage listen to these words that we that we can reference off of because in the church how do you learn to be married if you grew up in a home where the marriage wasn't there or the marriage wasn't solid, how do you learn to be married unless you're able to watch something else happen besides what you grew up with? And when you think about that, think about a 50-year marriage, John and Angie's a that Just for the sake of this message, I looked up the longest marriage in the Guinness Book of World Records. It is actually 86 years long. Can you imagine being married to the same person for 86 years? some of you can't imagine being married for three years much less eighty six but you know there's a word that you never even hear today it's called monogamy monogamy is not a new kind of wood monogamy is being married to the same person for all the years of your life those of you that are old enough to remember Paul Harvey and his radio program Always at the end of his radio program. He would celebrate somebody who had been married usually late 60s, 70 years 70 plus years He would always name them and give a shout out to them And then of course you ask how in the world does anybody stay married 50 years 60 70 years? I'm looking at Daisy her eyes are this big because they just got married She's not even thinking 70 years down the road, but I want you to think about that for a moment How is it possible That somebody could stay married for all the days of their life. I will tell you, number one, it came from a made-up heart. They made up their minds. They put their heart into making their relationship work. And they had a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I can say that all I want to sitting in church because by and large I'm preaching to the choir except for newer folks that have come in and sometimes having to work on broken or failed marriages and I'm not oblivious to the fact I'm dealing with divorced people sitting here this morning, people that have battled, people that you might look at and not realize all that they're going through. We know this and it's tragic in our day and time and the culture we live in divorce rates are still skyrocketing Because couples are entering into marriage not having any idea what it takes to stay married Because most people in this day and time have not seen that practiced in their home There was a home in a jewelry store in Hollywood, California And it said these words wedding rings for rent You put the spin on that. You got to know in Hollywood that makes perfect sense because you go down the road, people like Liz Taylor of old and many of the newer Hollywood stars, they're in and out of marriage every six or eight months and you don't know who they're going to be with next. One movie star was quoted as saying these words for two people to be able to live together for the rest of their lives is almost impossible. No, it's not. Thanks, Tony our culture says marriage is outdated our culture says marriage used to work but I want to tell you you may not realize this God is no stranger to love and to marriage matter of fact the Bible has some of the greatest love stories that you will ever read they are orchestrated by God Abraham and Sarah we read about them Isaac and Rebecca Boaz and Ruth, I could go down numbers of them, but these are miracle marriages, miracle homes and families. As you're looking at people around you, some are maybe in the early first decade of marriage, some in the second, some in the third. When you see a marriage that's lasting, and I don't have to always say thriving because every marriage is going to go through rocky times, bumpy roads, sometimes dips, sometimes you'll hit a pothole that'll jar your socks off but I tell you this that the value of a long-term marriage is something that's being seen not only with a view from heaven but it's being seen by everyone you know and especially those of your own household I want to read in Ephesians chapter 5 beginning in verse number 15 I'd like you to walk this road with me this morning in a message I've titled a godly marriage Paul writes to the Ephesian church see then that you walk circumspectly not as fools but as wise redeeming the time because the days are evil therefore do not be unwise but understand what the will of the Lord is and do not be drunk with wine and which is dissipation but be filled with the Spirit speaking to one another in Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ submitting to one another in the fear of God verse 22 wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord for the husband is the head of the wife is also Christ is head of the church and he is the Savior of the body therefore just as the church is subject to Christ so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything husbands love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with a washing of water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that she should be holy and without blemish so husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies he who loves his wife loves himself for no one ever hates his own flesh her own husband I want to make the boldest of all statements in all the world marriage will always and forever involve the heart it is a heart issue it is not a body issue it is a we are not compatible issue it is not a brain issue marriage always and forever is going to involve our hearts our hearts have to get involved I've watched young couples get together Sometimes it's fatal attraction. You know what I know they see each other their eyes locked next thing You know, they're sitting over a cup of coffee or a hamburger and cupid fires the arrow and it's all over But the wedding but they're not ready to get married yet Sometimes it's in courtship No sense in dating young people unless you plan on getting married you are foolish to say we're just going to date boy girl, but we have no thoughts of marriage and we're not thinking about the future All we want to do is just get the hormones stirring a little bit and have someone to make out with But we really don't want to marry this person. We're hanging out with Sometimes there's the super spiritual. You know who those are? Oh pastor. God spoke to me This is the one for me. I'm going to tell you something, honey. You better be sure you heard from God Because it's amazing how sometimes God's voice will sound like hell when your hormones are rising This is the one I had a woman. I used to pastor serious 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 She came into my office and she sat down with her new husband and she said to me God spoke to me This marriage is never gonna work She's on her eighth marriage This is his first What a mess? She said, this marriage is, in, is, is based on witchcraft. Well, I'm thinking from him or from you. Yeah. Eight marriages later, and now she's wanting to dump him, and she did. God forbid, she's probably on 15 by now at the rate she was going. But that man went on, married a great little woman, and lived happily ever after. Think about that. She said, I knew this was the guy, but now I don't think it is. Scary, isn't it? I want you to think about these words in Proverbs 15, 22. he who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. Proverbs 31, verse 10, a wife of noble character who can find she is worth far more than rubies. So think about this thing called marriage. Many of you are familiar with a writer by the name of Charles Swindle years ago he told this story he said he was speaking at the Moody Bible Institute about dating and marriage and he said a lady at this conference wrote him a note and she said these words I didn't worry about getting married I left my future to God's will however every night I hung a pair of men's pants on the bed and knelt down and prayed this prayer father in heaven hear my prayer And granted, if you can, I've hung a pair of trousers here. Please fill them with a (laughs) man. Next week, back at church, Swindle shared that story in his church. And a father was there with his teenage son, but the mom couldn't make it in the morning. They heard the story. Dad laughed. The kid just sat there. Two weeks later... Chuck Swindle got a note from this mom and said, I'm wondering if I've got something to worry about. I've noticed that our son, when he goes to bed each night, hangs a bikini over the foot of his bed. Do I have a problem here? I don't know what all was going on there, but I realized that this thing called marriage is something that every one of us is looking at. But here's more the issue of life, and I want you to think about it, because a godly marriage Involves understanding there's a lot of dynamics here If you're married this morning, you ought to be glad the selection process is over Because that's probably the hardest thing in the world is to finally decide I'm going to give myself to this person There's a man named Russell Dix. He's a marriage counselor in Florida. I want you to hear his words This is profound to me. He says, assuming that lust is irresistible, like a flood, many couples inevitably find themselves standing before a minister to be married. The minister says, do you take this woman with all of her immaturity, self-centeredness, nagging tears and tensions to be your wife forever? The dumb ox, apparently hypnotized by lust, mumbles, I do. Then the preacher asked the starry-eyed bride, who is all of 18, do you take this man with all of his lust, moods, indifference, immaturity, and lack of discipline to be your husband forever? She thinks that all of forever means all of next week because she's never experienced one month of tedious responsibility or denial of her wishes, so she chirps, I do, in thought that she's now become a woman. Then the patient minister parents by the parents by the authority committed unto me as a minister of Christ I pronounce you man and wife as he does he prays a silent prayer for forgiveness for he knows he's lying They are not now husband and wife, and he knows that very few of them ever will be. They're simply now able to breed, to bully, to fight, and to argue, spend each other's money and be held accountable for each other's bills. It's now legal for them to destroy each other so long as they don't do it with a club or a gun, and the minister goes home wondering if there's a more honest way to make a living. When you read stuff like that, you have to realize that's their... For a reason that's people's concepts of marriage today but i want to say it again marriage incredibly requires a decision of the heart i want to go back to matthew 19 and tell you what jesus said because he wrote these words it says and it came to pass that when jesus finished these words he departed from galilee and came into the region of judea beyond the jordan and great multitudes followed him and he healed them there and some Pharisees came to him, testing him and saying, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any cause at all? And he answered them and said, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? That's a good term for this day. God made them male and female. Amen. And said, For this cause a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. Consequently, they're no longer two, but one flesh what therefore God has joined together let no man separate they said to him why then did Moses command to give her a certificate of divorce and send her away he said to them because of your hardness of heart Moses permitted you to divorce your wives but from the beginning it has not been this way and I say to you whoever divorces his wife except for immorality and marries another woman commits adultery The disciples said to him if the relationship of a man with his wife is like this it is better not to marry but he said to them not all men can accept this statement but only those to whom it has been given let not man separate what god has joined together so let's talk secondly for a minute not only about the issue of the heart But the marriage involves a marital marital choice, a heart choice, but also a moral choice that two people make together. I want you to think about this word heart. That word heart is found 830 times in the Bible. When you think about two becoming one flesh, it involves two becoming one in heart, which is correctly interpreted And speaking of the emotions, the intellect, the will, or in other words, the body, the soul, the mind, and the spirit, the body part requires fidelity, which means I'm not going to violate my marriage. The soul is this intertwining of our lives. Somebody wrote the words to a song woven in the fabric of the pieces of our life is everything we are. It's woven through everything we are That's the soul the mind is agreeing together and how many you know in marriage it's not always easy to agree together especially when you first get married that's what the whole clash of wills is she wants her way he wants his way and they clash and after they beat themselves to a bloody pulp they finally realize maybe we ought to start getting along I'll give her her way sometimes and I'll give him his way sometimes it's not even worth fighting Oh, one, two, amens glory to God agreeing together and then the spirit listen again involving their will towards this thing called marriage and their faith that Jesus Christ can help them I'm going to go out on a limb and say something that nobody wants to hear today but both partners are equally responsible for the success or failure of their marriage Both partners, it's not his fault, it's not her fault, and the truth is that is totally missing from marriages today when both of us will say it is up to me, it is up to me to do my ultimate best to make this work and he or she is going to have to help along with this program and help this thing begin to work. Some years ago, a writer by the name of Ray Steadman wrote about a group called Marriage Anonymous. This guy's obviously been burned in marriage. So he says when a single guy gets the urge to get married, we put out stickers and pamphlets on college campuses. And so when they get the urge to get married, we urge them to sit down and dial our phone number, Marriage Anonymous. And the people of Marriage Anonymous sends over an old hag in an ugly nightgown an old tattered robe, her hair is all up in rollers, and she's got cream all over his face, and she nags him for about 30 minutes until he loses the desire to ever get married again. <laughs> I gotta tell you, that's not the way it is. But that's somebody who's soured on this thing called marriage. Many of you would remember Socrates from school. He was an old philosopher. He wrote these words. He said, by all means, marry. If you get a good wife, twice blessed you'll be. If you get a, get a bad wife, you'll become a philosopher like me. We always use the terms, it takes two to tango. And how many of you know it takes two to tango? You can't really dance with yourself unless you're weird or love mirrors or something. I don't mind dancing around the house if you're happy, but it takes two to tango. That's where the phraseology came from, doing the tango, a dance. But in marriage, listen again, for the success of your marriage, my marriage, their marriage, our marriage, for the success of marriage, the husband and wife are both responsible for the success or the failure of your marriage. I'll say this outright, pastors and or counselors cannot fix your marriage. Well, why are you here, Pastor Zeebel? I sometimes wonder that. No, I don't. (laughs) Listen again. Pastors and counselors cannot fix your marriage. God is the fixture of marriage because what has to happen, there has to be a heart change that no man or no woman will ever be able to implement in your life. God is the fixture of marriage. This is the downside of marriage counseling, and I do it often. But here's the downside. If I'm sitting with a couple or a wife or a husband, unless both sides want their marriage to work, it will always be an uphill struggle. It will always be an uphill struggle. Somebody wrote that many marriages are in trouble because one is doing all the work, and the other is sitting back enjoying it. And he used the analogy, if you've ever seen rock climbers, You tether them together, and they're climbing up this cliff, and one is scratching for another place to put a peg so they can go on up a little higher, and they're tethered to the guy behind them and scratching for every inch and getting every foot and then turns around and looks at the partner. He's hanging over the cliff, looking at the scenery, waving at the people down there, taking their picture while he or she's trying to make their way up the mountain. Oh, can anybody say ouch? But that's how a lot of marriages are. But listen, healing will only come when Jesus Christ is able to get a hold of our hearts. When he opens our heart, when we're willing to give our all, we must be willing to forgive, to forget, to be flexible, and not selfish. Listen to this statement from this woman. There's twofold issues going on here. But this comes out of our culture today. I want you to hear it. She said, I am so afraid to need my husband. This causes a lot of pride in me. I feel strong when I don't need him. I like to be self-sufficient, especially emotionally, because I don't want to be hurt. I think if I have needs, they won't be met. So I'm better off not to need anything except from the Lord how can I begin to change this also causes me to not want to be romantic in any way our marriage is more like a machine he does his part family wise and I do my part now two-fold issue there most of you probably didn't see the first issue but here's the first issue in that single statement 13 times she said I and me And my I and me and my let me read it again I am so afraid to need my husband this causes a lot of pride in me I feel strong when I don't need him I like to be self-sufficient especially emotionally because I don't want to be hurt I think I have needs they won't be, or that won't be met so I'm better off not to need anything except from the Lord how can I begin to change this causes me to not want to be romantic in any way our marriage is more like a machine he does his part family wise and I do my part 13 times I me and my and the only person she's really thinking about is herself to protect herself. now the other side of that coin is also just as tragic i feel like i have to protect myself probably because i have been hurt many times before and so now i've gone into a marriage where i'm going to keep my distance i'm going to put up a sign on my bedroom husband keep out i want my checking account i want my bills i want my bedroom i want my half of the cookie box you get your half I want to do half of the dishes, I want to do... Can you see all you're doing is separating yourselves together. If it's not we and we're not working for the success of each other, that is never going to work. The success of a marriage lies in the issues of the decision of heart and a moral choice that says I value what God values ingrained in our society is the thought of things go wrong, I can just get another husband or another wife. Let me me make this statement very boldly. Divorce is a horrible thing. If you know a divorced person, be careful how you judge or point your finger at them. Be careful because chances are they have been victims of a travesty they never wanted. They never wanted. Divorce can be more traumatic than death. One writer said these words, death has an end, divorce never does. A woman married for 30 years was asked if she ever considered divorce. She said, divorce, never. Murder, yes, but never divorce. I get that one, I get that one. And we've all felt that, we've all thought that. But think about this, somebody else wrote these words, two processes in life that should never be started prematurely embalming someone And divorce and here's the reason as I shift gears to the last and most important issue of marriage listen very carefully don't shut me out because you're on your way to destroying your marriage or you don't like each other you don't want to work together or you hate men or you hate women listen very carefully please this is so important for all of us to understand marriage is a public affair and think about what I just said marriage is a public affair most people when they think about getting married it's just me and sweet cakes and we're just gonna live our life and whatever we do is nobody else's business it's up to us we don't care what other people think about our relationship I'm gonna say something maybe you've never heard before but marriage has a very public nature to it our homes impact multitudes our friends our family our neighbors our co-workers our entire sphere of influence and i haven't even mentioned our children yet our homes impact multitudes abraham lincoln said nations are only as strong as the families in the nation the strength of a family impacts everything and so we know marriage is not only a heart affair it's a morality choice that we make but it's also a spiritual affair and I want you to see why if you don't think marriage affects your family let me just give you a little bit of insight if you grew up in a broken home If you grew up in a single parent home because there was divorce or there never was a marriage and we just lived together and then one left and move on somewhere else. if you grew up in that you can claim well I am dysfunctional because I never learned to do it another way and so things don't work for me because I just grew up this way and that's just the way it's gonna be I am going to call a halt on that right there and say three words Jesus Christ changes number four Everything. Every one of us in this building, whether you grew up in a broken home, whether you grew up in an alcoholic or drug-addicted home, in a single-parent family, in an out-of-wedlock marriage, if you have grown up in a place where you felt unloved. Here's our Sunday school this morning where there's been rejection, yelling, screaming, never the uplifting that you needed from a home to become what you needed to be. If you grew up in that, stop right now and realize this. Because of Jesus Christ, every single one of us has the chance now to change the course of history, not only in our lives, but definitely in the next generation that's what Jesus does I've shared this many times and not to belabor the point I have two sisters they have been through broken lives almost the entirety of their lives while at the same time my wife and I get saved get married and God took all that extracurricular stuff that we didn't know how to do and the stuff we did know how to do wrong and he changed it and he helped us to learn how to love each other it didn't happen overnight we had to work on a number of things. I had to work on a number of things glory to God I had to work on a number of things but to this day when you see how that passes down now to children and grandchildren when you see the power of the change in Jesus Christ marriage is very public by nature but listen this is the other part it is an incredibly spiritual Affair because what marriage really does it reaches into the spiritual realm I'm going to read you a scripture that most of us will know and maybe you've never considered it But here's what it said husbands in first Peter 3 verse 7 husbands in the same way Be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as listen to the words as heirs together with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Now I highlighted highlighted a couple of words in that scripture and here's what they are. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate. Notice I wore most of the blame for the struggles we had in our marriage. I take most of the blame for that because I didn't know this because of how I grew up. Learning how to be considerate, to appreciate, to love, to respect, to hold my tongue, to not holler out, to not put down, to not cut down, to not yell, to not scream. Be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them, here's the other underline, with respect. Gentlemen, I hope you're listening. With respect, she deserves your respect. You're the only one in reality that's going to give it to her. This is one of the gravest dangers of working wives, and I realize the day and time we're living in, but working wives that are not getting respect at home, they go to work, and some meathead begins to pay attention to them and show them what they're longing to get in their home, and they're not getting, and you know the end result of that. It's danger, it's death, it's brokenness, because they're not getting what God says, consideration and respect, And then he goes on to say how marriage ties into the spiritual realm as being inheritors together. That's what that word heirs means. We are inheritors. If you ever had an uncle or an aunt or a grandma or a grandpa and you heard they left you in the will, you are an heir of theirs. And whatever percentage of their estate or whatever they wanted you to have they left it in their will that you are one of their heirs you are going to inherit something of what was theirs now think about that word as being heirs together of the gracious life gift of life that God is giving you so that nothing will hinder your prayers something about the way we treat our spouse And I'll go as far as to add mom and dad. Something about the way we treat our spouse is affecting our spiritual relationship with God. And I said something that can identify a lot of people that you know because their relationship with God is not right because their marriage is not right. And they don't want it to be right. And They're not willing to work at it because it's easier to blame than it is to buckle down and say this is my fault knucklehead I'm gonna have to look in the mirror and let God speak to me because unless I change I can't accuse my wife or my husband of anything It has to start right here as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers be not hindered I'll say this gentlemen how you treat your wife in public is a powerful statement How you speak to her and about her with your mouth is a wonderful indicator of your respect and your value of your wife as your partner. Let me say it, if you respect your wife, there is no place in any conversation of that she should be spoken about with your friends in any way or form of complaining or tearing down or criticizing or in any way of a sexual nature. That is off limits. To speak to other people about. There are deep, deep ramifications in a home front that is not united. And ladies, just listen, this is so easy in light of what I just said there. Verse 22 of Ephesians 5 Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as unto the Lord. Some interpret that, some knuckleheads, I'll go that far. They interpret that as an open invitation to be rude and degrading because she's mine now. I can do whatever I want. Just think of what the home is and realize, and I'll just throw this in, that the kids are taking it all in and they're taking notes. And most children that learn behavior in their marriage Family and home, they go on to repeat it in their own marriage, family, and home, which will then just cause a non ending repeat. And many of us know families that you can trace three, four, five generations of brokenness and alcoholism and disrespect and hatred and bitterness and racism and crime. This is something that passes generation to generation this is not an open invitation to say she should submit herself to you and you can be rude and degrading to her because you realize this where are your young men going to learn how to treat women if they don't learn how to treat women right from you oh amen if they don't learn how to treat a woman right by looking at their mom and dad then how in the world are they ever going to treat other women and it will be a self propagating jacked-up prophecy that will continue on because the quality of our marriage directly impacts our spiritual walk with God and I'll tell you why God has committed himself he has committed himself to marriage because he's committed himself to us think about the words again Ephesians 5:25 husbands love your wives Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. And then verse 32 says, this is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. The key to a good marriage is simple, but it's not. It's love each other. And sometimes you may have to force yourself to love each other until you get things fixed and stop being opponents in the ring or combatants on the battlefield and you learn to love each other and make this work applying godly principles to your relationship husbands this is too easy love your wife and then the Bible says something weird doesn't it love your wives because you definitely love yourselves. No man ever hated his own flesh. I know men that stand in the mirror a lot longer than their wives do. Every hair has to be in place. Everything has to be precise. Clothes have to be ironed impeccably. Got to have the creases. But do they take care of their wife like that? Uh Uh-oh. That's the problem. Husbands love your wives. I will add this if you will allow me and I don't care because I got the mic and you don't (laughs) Husbands be the spiritual head and covering over your wife Think again about the statement. I just made I am afraid to give myself to my husband Because I am afraid if I do I will end up needing him and if I end up needing him. I am going to be hurt That is exactly what God said marriage is for She is there to complete me. I'm going to go on record. You ready? Everybody ready? I need her. I need her desperately. Because there's a part of me that doesn't have what she can provide to me. I need her desperately. Want me to say it again? Thank you. I need her desperately. And you know what? She needs me. And she will tell you that. Or I'll beat you to death. No, don't do that. She knows better. She knows exactly because she said it before. We've said it to each other outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are the best thing that ever happened to me. And that is a true statement. Why? Because we've had to work at it. Husbands, love your wives. Be the spiritual head and covering. And ladies, 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 ladies. I know, plug your ears because you don't want to hear it. Allow your husbands to be your covering. And submit yourself to his covering even if he's wrong on occasion and he will be and he will be every decision in a home should be made with two people but the final decision should be from the husband well he always gets his way maybe it's not maybe it's not maybe it's not maybe it's not he always gets his way and I'll tell you why some of you know what I'm gonna say if we talk about it and we make a decision and then i finally make the final decision if it goes wrong then i can't blame her for the rest of my life i have to say you're the dude that did the deed so now fess up and admit it tell her i jacked this all up it's my fault not your fault and so now i'm going to do everything i can to fix it wouldn't it be a lot easier taking that on yourself sir than simply blaming your wife for the rest of your life for the things that didn't work, which is why husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. Over in Africa, there was a chief of a uh, village and he called all of his men into his hut. He communicated his fear that there were no longer any real men in the village. Impression that he was getting was that many men were ruled by their wives. To find out if it was true, he asked all the men who were ruled by their wives to leave through the door on the right. The ones who were not ruled by their wives were to leave through the door on the left. All of them went out the door on the right with the exception of one man. The man paused for a moment, looked at all the guys going out the right door, and then he turned and he went out the left door. After it was all over, the chief gathered everyone together again. He gave praise to the lone wolf who was willing to stand up and be a man. He asked him to share his secret with all the other men to help him. And the man looked rather sheepish when he finally said, Chief, when I left home this morning, my wife said to me, Husband, never follow the crowd. And so I didn't follow the crowd. As Christians... As Christians, we are called to live differently from the rest of the world. But what we are most called to do is to give ourselves to one another and not let this culture today, tomorrow, or years from now come in and take over and dictate your role as a wife or a husband. Go back to the Bible. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband as unto the Lord. Because if he loves you, give yourself to him. You will work it together perfectly. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed all across this building. We are called to give ourselves to one another till death do us part. Hearts are bowed across this building this morning. I will be as bold as to say it. I will be as bold.